pickaxe. I have. I, I would screen share my desktop, but I have Deep Rock Galactic as well. I just picked that up like a week ago. Yeah, Deep so. Rock Galactic's a lot of fun, man. Yeah. How are so. you? Where? Uh, how are you handling COVID? Um. It's interesting because, like, I feel like I saw a lot of this, like, coming. Not COVID specifically, but I just knew there was going to be some type of scenario that was going to be kind of like catastrophic. If Mm. That sounds weird. I kind of just, yeah, I've felt that way for a while. And so, like, when this finally happened, I wasn't very surprised. And I don't know. I didn't. It wasn't really any shock for me. Kind of, like, went, went along with it just fine. Um, I'm introverted as is, so I don't sure. have a problem with not leaving the house for extended periods of time. So, I don't know. Do you know. sometimes kinda... know things that other people don't know? I think I pick up on things that other people don't pick up on. The clues are all there. It's just some people can't interpret them, I, I feel like. So so you were feeling like you kind of had a sense that something was going to happen and that was sort of based on logic interpretation of information and kind of subconscious processing? I, I would mostly, without getting too political, I was just looking at the state of like where we're going as a country. Got it. And, yeah. Okay. It's just like so you're not like a seer. No, 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 no. Uh-uh. That's disappointing. I mean, there was definitely like a vibe that I felt, but <laughs> but I definitely tied it to like logic and reasoning. Right. Why do why do you tie it to logic and reason? Why do I attach it to logic and reason? Why do you t- why do you tie your vibes to logic and reason? Oh no, the the I know what you're you're saying. Um, you know, the chicken didn't come before the egg. Usually, um, so I don't like to say that I justify the way I feel with logic. Sure. But but the problem, I don't know. I, I Okay, well. I could be wrong. We're, we're getting, so we, maybe we can circle back to that. Yes. Um, hmm. Yeah, so sometimes I think just I'll kind of share one or two thoughts about that i think we underestimate where our sources of knowledge like where we get knowledge from and yeah i feel like i'm aware of like being skeptical of where i'm pulling my information from because i'm very i feel like i have a lot of like meta thinking that i've kind of like had for a very long time which uh-huh. i don't know kind of ties into like anxiety and everything that i sure. i feel with people but i just feel like i'm picking up a lot of information that a lot of other people uh, don't in usual situations yeah so I, I just think it's interesting that we default to assuming that we're picking up that information through things like uh, senses or okay. logic where actually okay. that in and of itself is not logical mm-hmm. right that we attribute the sources of information to things like rationalization or subconscious processing but like what is that how do we observe subconscious processing like we it's just yeah and that's I feel like that's exactly what I was trying to say is that uh, I can't I am very um, open to the idea of like where be, my thought being a seer. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's kind of interesting. Anyway, yeah. so what are we talking about today, OG? Um. So I know that the sex addiction is probably going to be like a big thing on the hot list. Uh, smoking marijuana. I definitely want to touch on that, but um. I don't know. There's a lot of different things that I have going on with me. Um, like but what? The, 
Um. 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 <laughs> Basically, I've been like depressed for like the last, I'd say, at least three or four years, and okay. uh, and everything is kind of tied together. Um, I used to have a really good sense of self worth. Okay. Um, I feel like that got deteriorated over time from kind of going through these relationship cycles. Okay. Um, every single time I went through like one of these little relationships and everything like that, it would kind of just spiral out of control afterwards. If there was like a a breakup or whatever, um, I kind of I kind of noticed that I'm going through these patterns. If that makes What's sense. What's the pattern? Um, get into a relationship. Um invest emotionally very deeply um after that's done like what um, that if mean, we go invest, our sep- invest emotionally um i'm very very like um i know it kind of sounds contradictive to be to say that um, i'm kind of a very emotional person um what's contradictive about that because usually with people who are like the I feel like the stereotype for someone that's like very um, promiscuous or it could be interpreted as promiscuous could be like they're very callous they don't care about people's connections or what they're doing to the people around them um, I feel like I'm very very focused on the consequences of my actions all the time so sounds exhausting it it is and I can't really turn it off very well um, what do you mean and by so, focused on the consequences of your actions? Help us understand um, what, you, what kind of thoughts you have. So I've, I feel like from a really early age, I I saw like the effects of like, of like basically going through your life without analyzing or being aware of like the, the things you're doing to the people around you. I, I had like, uh, my father was kind of basically the model of like what I didn't want to become. How so? Um, well, okay. So my, my dad and my mom were never married. Um, I'm from a military family. Um, so everyone is in the Navy. My mom was in the Navy. My dad was in the Navy. My stepdad was in the Navy. Um, but anyway, they, they basically met, didn't, you know, didn't get married or anything like that. My dad like got dishonorably discharged from the military for drugs. Um, back then it was like he was on the hospital floors. He was a nurse as well, but uh, I think he was like doing liquid cocaine. But anyway, long story short, he went through like rehab and everything like that. And my mom got pregnant with me and then he left and did his own thing. And it's kind of left us, you know, to our own devices over the years. And so, um, and so I kind of just kind of wanted to make sure, like, I always took into account other people in my life. So um, I didn't want to become like him. And what is he like? Um, so I would characterize my dad as being um, kind of scared of his emotions and uh, probably a good ounce of, like, some toxic masculinity thrown in there um i feel like he's done a lot of the same mistakes that i've made in my life but like he was not aware enough to realize what he was doing um 
and so that now his life has kind of come back full circle and these things that he's done in the past are kind of like starting to haunt him I feel like um, he's getting older and I think he's kind of realizing that so OG you said that you didn't want to be like him what right. about him did you not what... I didn't want to not take into account other people's lives that I'm ruining like so How, like, whose lives did he ruin um, he basically my mom's been like pretty scarred from it from like for she's still like you know like you can see certain things about people that change over time and like obviously i wasn't alive to see the change but like i know it's affected my mom very profoundly and then like what has just, affected your mom very profoundly what's it's um just uh i feel his disregard for take into account like other people's uh feelings emotions do that by just caring only about himself being selfish i don't know what um, does that look like so you're giving me conclusions okay right? you're saying like he didn't care about people's feelings but i'm like what how do how do i know like what did he do or not do right right so i mean okay so the relationship my mom did everything for my dad um like really took care of him when everyone else kind of abandoned him and when and, was that what was going on in his life that everyone abandoned him uh basically getting dishonorably discharged from the military um it was pretty scandalous uh, everyone that he was on the floor with that was in on them passing out drugs on the hospital floor um basically went to like federal prison except for him and i have suspicions that maybe i don't know <clears throat> that he didn't that go way. to that he didn't go to federal prison because he ratted people out or something is that one of the things that you also don't want from him you don't want to be a rat oh i don't particularly care about that facet of it um and so after he was dishonorably discharged how did he meet your mom well, he'd known your mom already at that point yes no 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 they were together while they were in the military and um like they weren't married but um that happened you're gonna have to excuse me like i'm really like jittery right now i'm kind of like really really nervous i don't know if you can tell <laughs> yeah we can tell help me understand yeah. why you feel nervous what do you think is going on or well, let's start with uh, what, what you feel just uh well <laughs> uh it's just a lot of pressure just uh the the topic and uh just the whole thing is kind of yeah. can you help me understand what pressure you feel um i worry about talking this openly about these very intimate things in my life and i worry sure. about it coming full circle um obviously i'm not using my but like i'm a I'm a, i am a nurse and so like i just you know my interactions with that the community is interesting I, what are you I afraid know. of uh losing my license um or you know just appearing to be so dysfunctional in, in a way that like it it could come and haunt me essentially well, i understand that you're afraid and i'm wondering whether maybe the first thing that we should do is help you with that fear right because i'm envisioning i i don't want you to be like like keeping this fear at bay over the course of the next hour like, sure. I, like I just don't think like that's gonna, that sounds like it's painful to me, and I don't want you to suffer. 
Sure. And and so is it okay if we try to kind of address that for a moment? Okay. Um, so the first thing is how would talking like this, how would this lead to losing your license? Um, I don't know. As soon as marijuana gets involved, like things are very, very in the gray area as far as like what can be done legally sure. to people, you know, and so maybe we shouldn't talk about marijuana. Um, sure. That's fine too. Would you, yeah. would that, how would that help your fear if at all? Well, I, I still want to talk about things. I think I'm, I'm just trying to, I'm getting comfortable as all. It's just, I'm, I sure. think that as we go on, I'll get more comfortable. Yeah. Yeah, but dude, I don't want you to lose your license because you came on stream. Like, that would be a royal fuck up. Right. Now, so just context. Like, I, I'm at a point where I'm pretty much at a, a I, I don't care anymore, so... It's I'm moving into a different career. Just that sounds really bad. I'm I'm in actively a full time student in college right now. Just uh, moving towards a different career, okay. um, and that's for a different. There's like yeah, there's a lot going on in my life. It's there's a lot. So sounds like you're pretty overwhelmed and you're dealing with a lot. Yeah. Is it too much? Um, I would say so. Um. What makes it feel like it's too much? I feel like I can't get ahead. I I feel for like every I feel like I'm treading water and mm. I'm going nowhere and I'm getting tired of treading water. Not in the, the I know how that sounds, but like I don't feel like I'm getting anywhere. All the I just feel like all the advantage and disadvantages are weighted against me. Sure. I mean, the way I live right now is not ideal. Um, I'm living in like a five, not even a 500 square foot like studio apartment with my mom and like my cat's dying. My cat's got cancer. Yeah, I mean, I I... it's everything is just very hard right now, and like it sounds really bad, but like this COVID thing is just like I don't even like that. I don't even feel like that's even messing with me. Like I'm sure. just dealing with all these other things that have gone on with my life. Uh, yeah. Like I lost, I I don't know, I've lost a lot, and this is like basically what a lot of my problems with sex and everything comes from is because once I get into these these spirals, like I get to a point where I just don't care to what I'm doing to the people around me. Um, and then you become like your dad? Yes. And so there's a lot of self-loathing that goes with it. Because you're becoming the very thing that you don't want to be. Yes. You don't want to do what other people, what he did to you and your mom. Yes. And you can't stop. Nope. You know, this is going to sound kind of random, but maybe I'm trying to cut the tension a little bit because I can see you're sure. suffering. I wonder what it feels like to become a vampire. 
what kind of vampire? The Bram Stoker vampire, or are we talking like Twilight vampire? I wouldn't want to be a Twilight vampire. I don't think anyone would want to be a Twilight vampire. No. Um, but I mean, what what I'm hearing you say, OG, is that you're you're you can feel yourself becoming a monster. Yes. And you can't stop the transformation. Yeah, I I I really do like. It sounds really weird but i i try my best to be the best person that i can be mm-hmm. and i feel because i don't know um i feel like i'm working against that and so like again it feeds into that that self-loathing you're working against what being the best i'm person? working yes yeah i, I don't it's really like s- I, so I, what i'm seeing from you og is that you know i think y- you seem exhausted to me Yes. Yep. Um, and you say you've been depressed for three or four years. I mean, I'm sure that a psychiatrist somewhere could diagnose you with depression, but what it feels like right. to me is that you've been fighting for a long time and you're just getting worn down. Yep. And it can be very, very hard to fight and struggle and get up every day and try to shift the mountain of bullshit that your life has become. And, yep. and what I'm envisioning is a guy who wakes up every day, walks outside of his house or 500 foot studio apartment with living with your mom and outside your door is a gigantic mountain. And then you do your work for the day, which is pushing against the mountain yep. and trying to get it to move. And then after a day of pushing and pushing and pushing in the mountain, not going anywhere, you go back to your 500 foot studio apartment where you live with your mom and you go to bed and then you wake up the next day and then you walk outside and you start pushing against the mountain. And it seems seems like an exercise in futility. It seems like there are parts of you that say that you have to try, you have to change, you have to do better, you have to do more, and then you walk outside and there's just this fucking mountain sitting there. And you know that you have to move it, and so you start pushing and pushing and pushing, but it doesn't go anywhere and you feel stuck and you feel like you're not making progress, but you don't want to be the guy who gives up because your dad did that too. Yep. And that's, I feel like that's a big problem that I have is I can't let go. I can't let go of things. It's really hard for me to, what is it that you feel like you should let go? What is it that you hold on to? Uh, I feel like sometimes like, I feel like I need to be able to give up on things that I'm working on. Like, I wish that I could give, I know it sounds really cathartic, like saying it out loud, but I mean, I wish that I could give myself a break, but. You know, I'm not quite sure how important this is, OG, but you make a lot of comments about how what, how the things you say sound a certain way. Have you noticed that? Yep. I did now. You've pointed it out. I do notice it now. Yeah. What do you think is up with that? Why would you need to tell us that what you're saying is not cathartic? Because that's basically what you're doing. I have this bad habit of always trying to be in other people's heads. That I understand. All the time. Okay, so that's fine. But why is it important for you to correct the perception 
than other people have. I yeah, I don't want to be seen a certain way. I I I feel like I'm very probably way too much in tuned with caring about what other people think. Yeah. How do you want to be seen today? You, you know, I'm to the point where I don't want to focus on how I want to be seen. I just care about how I want to see me because that's I feel like that's what matters. And how do you see you? Exhausted. <laughs> yeah. Are you a bad person? Are you a monster? I I wonder, like, it makes me think, like, with everything that's happened to me, that, like, I wonder if there's, like, a breaking point in every person. And it doesn't matter. It's just across the board. I wonder if there's breaking points in people where it doesn't matter, like, there's a point at which everyone cracks. Are you broken? Um... I don't know. I keep on breaking over and over again, so I don't know if there's a state of... <laughs> I don't know what's the original thing to get put back in together. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're laughing about that, but that sounds fucking terrifying to me. Yeah. You know, I... what I'm hearing is a guy who's been broken time and time and time again to where, like, you know, the first time something breaks, you can take the pieces and you can kind of, like, fit them back together, right? Yep. But what I'm hearing from you is that you've been shattered beyond all recognition like literally that's what you're saying that you've been broken so much that we don't even know what you're supposed to be anymore um yeah <laughs> maybe <laughs> um sorry I, I my sense of humor is a little off uh, good i'm glad <laughs> so that's how i one yeah. one bright point i've seen so far actually there are a lot of bright points about you the one that the, that's the easiest to pick out so tell us about the this whole cycle about um relationships and getting into a relationship and investing emotionally um i i think i just give my all that's it like that's the best way i can describe it is i just i I feel almost like powerful when I'm in relationships because I feel like I could do anything that I was ever required to do to make things work. Like, and like, for example, uh, one of my relationships, I stopped what I was doing. I dropped out of college. Well, I didn't drop out of college. Uh, long story short, I was, or I had a really shifty um, living situation with uh with my friends but they blew our rent money on drugs and so we were getting evicted and so i uh was talking to this one girl and she said to come to tennessee and that you know i could live with her and it would be great and that i can go to school over there and so i dropped everything i've sold like everything i could to fit everything in my car I went across the nation to try and make things work and after like two and a half years of like toiling out in the sun doing manual labor to like make things work um it didn't work out and um it's ironic because i i'm still in touch with that the woman and uh the she had the exact same thing happen to her or it's actively going on and so it's it's weird i don't What's take any the exact pleasure. same thing um where you're in a relationship with someone where you love them and they could care less so, I'm confused. 
so so Confused, I, 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 where in this so like you said that last last I understood you moved across the country to be with her for Tennessee y'all were together yep. for two and a half years I didn't hear yep. anything you were doing manual labor out in the sun and I didn't yep. hear anything about love like one person loving and one person not caring I mean I loved her and I was willing to work as hard as I could to make things work but I it's like a tug of war where someone's not pulling on the other side if you don't have that tension things just fall apart like of like I put in this much effort you reciprocate you should at least match my effort it was always like a black hole of me throwing emotional investment just into whatever you know and it didn't so, go anywhere so why were you guys together for two and a half years then um well things were okay in the beginning there was a point of which you know there was tension on that rope that metaphorical rope sure. and uh you know she tried and i tried and you know things were fine and uh as time went like to keep things short and brief like i'm very one political or uh, i'm of one political mindset and she's of the other and that caused a lot of friction so and then yeah okay so the first thing is i don't think you necessarily need to keep things brief okay right so so like and because let me just explain to you for example why i'm a little bit curious about the situation because on the one yeah. hand you say that there's kind of this relationship of you throwing love into a black hole and yep. not being reciprocated and on the other hand, I'm hearing that, like, essentially the source of y'all's y'all problems is a political disconnect. Yeah, but there was a lot that happened beforehand. Um, I, I'm sorry, I'm like, I was very self-conscious about time. I uh, um, To go into it a little bit deeper. Um, so she had a really traumatic experience growing up. Um, she she you know she had basically got raped and she imprinted a lot of the things like she would have flashbacks and then she would imprint um essentially that trauma onto me so like that resulted in like a whole bunch of number of weird wonky things having to be done and worked with in the relationship like, like uh, what um like basically we just didn't have sex anymore because she imprinted those experiences on her onto me and like i was like okay that's fine um we we won't have sex anymore but i was like that i was so willing to keep the relationship like alive and um you know and i don't know the point at which like she stopped caring but like that's basically when things got really bad because um once we broke up i know i'm hopping around a lot there's just so much um towards the end i was still in nursing school and i had like six months left of nursing school and uh she decided to still see other people while we were still living together and um So it was really hard. I uh, I finished nursing school. I passed. I did my boards. Uh, wow. But um, that's impressive, like, man. It was it was really hard. Um, 
Was she sexually active with the people she was seeing while y'all were living together? Yes, and like that was the most frustrating thing about it because that scenario, like frustrating in that there, the thing that I can't stand the most is when like hypocrisy and like I will hold myself to like a huge high standard to make sure that I am not a hypocrite in anything that I try to anyway um so yeah like essentially she had told me that this experience in her life had affected her in such a way that she couldn't have sex with me anymore and there was this disconnect in that she was seeing other people a in the house or whatever and like I'm still living there and then be like it's kind of just feels like why would it be acceptable to see other people in this way when this is the dynamic that like i don't know it i would i feel that she isn't having sex with you when y'all are together and she's right that was it was fucking awful (laughs) (laughs) to put things and like that went on for six months i would be like on the phone with my my best friend at the time like day in day out just like in tears just like this is fucking terrible yeah <laughs> like um but i got out of it how I, do you I think moved... someone feels about themselves after an experience like that uh they feel like shit and like i in think that way? like um well i know personally that my self-worth was severely damaged from that experience and because it it calls into question for me like what i put up with and what i didn't have to put up with and that i didn't advocate for myself in a way to protect myself and so i should have og you're doing two things right one is that that hurts your self-worth because i can imagine that you're kind of feeling yeah. like what's wrong with me right. right like why is this woman like who I'm giving so much into the relationship and she's not willing to have sex with me because of this made up trauma bullshit. And I'm hyper, I mean, I have no idea what was real or what wasn't or anything. I'm not saying that she wasn't right. traumatized, but I, I can imagine that if I were in your shoes, I would feel like something about that is bullshit. Right. So I think you call it hypocrisy. Right. My mind formulates formulates that as something that's quote unquote made up, which is unfair, but it's an emotional thought. It's not a rational one right like i mean it just sounds like bullshit so you feel bad about yourself right so like what's wrong with you and then you do something else which is that you beat yourself up for feeling bad about yourself right there's a difference between self-loathing and lack of self-worth does that make sense Yes, I feel like I have both going on, though, you and I'm do have both one going into the on. other. Yep, very good. <laughs> right, so in terms of your feeling overwhelmed... So, OG, let me just jump in for a second, okay? So Please. first of all, I think you can get better. And I think that I think that the mountain that you're trying to move, you're actually making forward progress. Like, whether... I just don't think that you're able to perceive it right now. So what I'm hearing is a guy who's actually incredibly resilient, incredibly strong, incredibly smart, and incredibly reflective. I'm hearing someone who, uh, I'm, I'm talking to someone who I think is moral, who cares about other people, who wants to be a good person, and not out of selfishness, but like genuinely like wants to be like good and successful and kind to other people. 
and wants to be like a force of like good and positivity in in the or in the people around him. Yes. And, and <laughs> Just that, yes, yeah. That's who you are. Right? And I think some things are getting in the way of that. And and our goal here is like so the, the tricky thing there is that it's hard to reconcile being that person with hating yourself. Like that's that's the real rub. Is like there's some there's a part of you that feels like you're a piece of shit and hates yourself because of it. And then there's a part of you that strives to be better and like wants to be a good person and actually, you know, goes, bends over backward to accommodate people that you care about. And really just a, a, a prolongs what sounds like in some situations, like sort of toxic kind of things, which we can think about, right? So, so in, in a bizarre way, OG, I think that you're somewhat responsible for your circumstances, which is sort of a double-edged sword. So I think a big problem that a lot of people have is that they don't, like, you know, you kind of say when you, when you look outside, you said something about that the advantages and disadvantages are stacked against you. So that sort of makes sense and can be comforting in some way because it's like not our fault. But it's also kind of like doesn't give us a road forward because then like, what do we do about that? Right? If life is just fucking you over, then like you can't really do a whole lot about that. But it's... Yeah. Go ahead. Um, and so like that's a dynamic that I've been having to deal with. And it's like I... I've, I So like to add to that stack of bullshit, like I lost pretty much two of my best friends at the beginning of the year um, just to get... I don't know. That's like a whole nother thing. But... um. How did you lose your best friend? How does one lose a best friend? Um, essentially, like, they got into a, uh, a friend group that didn't really care for me. And, sent, like, I've known these people for, like, one of them I knew for, I've known over for 15 years. And the other one, I've known him, but I wasn't friends with him until about, like, five years ago. But I've known him for 15 years, too. And, like... The reason why I feel like I'm very hyper concerned about what other people think of me is because I've I lost two of my friends essentially, and to possibly like the circumstances that I'm in, and I can't, like I don't feel like they understand or feel the, like, the weight of everything that's going on in my life, and they all they see is a dude that fucking, you know, is staying with his mom and you know, not going to go anywhere or, you know, that's a, that's a real they, fear for me. They abandoned you because you're a loser. Sure. That's yeah. I, I mean, I wouldn't put it so harshly, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, uh, that embodies the, the idea perfectly though. Yeah. I mean, that's what I'm hearing you say. You're just saying it in more words. Yeah. So, OG, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of noticing a pattern here. It sounds like people, yeah, people suck. My interactions with people, that's, yeah. Um, I usually feel like I have, like, a an interaction where I'm giving a lot and never receiving. Yeah, so let's think and, about that for a second. Go ahead, sorry. Um, and that kind of ties into a lot. I've, I might be, like, assuming a lot, but but I'm positive that probably feeds into, like, the behaviors I have around like sex. What are some of those behaviors? 
Um. I'm trying to think of where to start. Um, so, me being a person that's very, very concentrated on like consequences of my actions, um, I'm having to deal with feeling like. What are the behaviors? Oh, it's just okay. At, at actual verbs of what I'm what's basically going on is just like a. I'm using okay. I'm using four different dating apps. Well, actually, technically five if you include if you include Facebook's dating services. And I'm basically approaching it like a salesman approaches like leads and sales, using like a law of averages just to try and you know basically go through five different apps and go for a numbers game approach rather than actual and emotional. And what are you going uh, for? What are you looking for? Um, anything. Anything. Something is better than nothing is basically what it comes down what to. What are you getting? What am I getting? Um, I'm getting interesting, like, interactions with people I would never normally interact with. Um, I'm getting sex. I'm getting, um, like, an emotional, temporary, like, an emotional band-aid, I feel like, is the best way to describe it. So what, what happens when you have sex? It... It's basically uh, a different form of drug for me. Um, they, my problems tend to just evaporate out of my head, and I don't think about those things anymore, and I'm kind of free for that time. And that that's kind of the reason why I smoke so much, is that it puts me into like a mental state of which I don't feel burden, anxiety, or like the pain of like everything that's going on around me. Is that why you consider yourself addicted to sex? Um... No, it's the the frequency, it's the number of people, and it gets very out of hand the worse things are for me in that given situation. So, like, like the relationship cycles and everything that I go through, it gets particularly bad. Can you walk us when, through one of those? Like, so how does that, what does that look like? Um, so when I went to Tennessee and that didn't work out and you know shit was hitting the fan and i was in nursing school and like everything was just like putting that downward force on me like i had to just have some type of like escape um and so again i kind of escaping from everything um okay <laughs> uh i felt like i just needed to be away from so i'm gonna my pause situation. for a second okay sure so i want you to, i want to explain to you why you're trying to move mountains so what are you ex what are you running away from? What Failure? You no, no, no. Fuck. Don't try to be Freudian. I'm just oh. asking you. I asked you like what were you trying to get away from and what was your answer? Everything. Okay. How do you fix that? Fixing my circumstances around me. No, I'm asking you how do you fix everything? Oh. Ah. Let's say I come to you OG and I'm your friend. I'm the one best mm -hmm. friend that didn't abandon you. I'm going to say, OG, yes. my life is falling apart. What do you say? Uh, I don't know. How can I help? What's going on? Well, so what's going on is everything is going wrong. Yeah, it doesn't and sound you, like you you're can, very... You, yeah. can, you can help by fixing everything. Can you help me fix everything? 
No, I see what you're saying. What am I saying? That I need to, if I want to make change in my life, I need to approach it in a systematic way, an organized way, instead of just saying everything is wrong, There, there's no way to solve everything. I need to actually probably maybe have a plan of attack. Maybe? Sure. So I, I think you're even, you're, you're moving, you're moving way too fast, buddy. You're on the highway already. So I'd say the first thing is like, yeah. it, it, you're even moving one step ahead of where I am. So I think the first thing to understand is that like, if you're, if everything, like, so if we just listen to what you've said today, okay. Your cat has cancer. You live in a studio yep. apartment. You're addicted yep. to sex. You're making a career change. So obviously something with nursing was not working out. Yeah. That um, was a whole nother story too. The... Sure. Yeah. So, so, and what, what you feel is overwhelmed. Right, because yep. every dimension of your life, you're getting fucked. Like your friends are abandoning you, your cat is dying. Um, you know, interesting that you chose to be a nurse with all this business with your father, and and I don't even know what's going on there. But we can yeah, that, but. yeah, it, everyone's nurses in my family. Yeah, my stepdad, my mom, and my dad were all nurses. So it's like I don't know. It can felt I, like can I, I keep go. talking? Yes, yes, sir. I'd like you to just try to listen, if that's okay. So I think the issue here is that like when you look at your life, I think it makes sense because you look at your life and you see a life where, there are, where like there's like good evidence that everything around you is kind of falling apart. But the challenge is that like everything is not something that you can fix, right? So like I understand that you're talking about a plan of attack, but we're not even there yet. Let's first understand that the reason that you can't move a mountain is because you've, you've made a monolith of all of your problems. And so no wonder, because like you wake up every day and your mind asks itself the question, okay, what's wrong? Because that's what our mind does. Our mind tries to help us out. And then your mind is like, well, everything is wrong. So there's the problem solving part of your mind that's like, okay, OG, what's wrong? And then OG says, everything is wrong. And then the mind is like, okay, how do I fix that? And OG is like, I'm not sure. And then your mind doesn't know what to do. So mm. then, then you're sitting with this like sense of, of like impossibility of like fixing everything in your life. And then you end up coping, right? So when, when anytime I see someone that has multiple addictive behaviors, I don't think about addiction as the diagnosis. I think about it as a symptom. So in your case, what you're addicted to is avoidance, right? So like whether you get that through a substance or a sexual relationship or video games or whatever, or reading a, a Warhammer book. And the other tricky thing here is that like, there's a spectrum of something like when you, when it's not that bad, we call it coping. And when it is bad, we call it addiction. But I think it's, it's artificial that these things are binary. It's like they're on a spectrum. So the question right. is like, what are you running away from? And, and when you say everything, like, I don't think that's something you can fix. I think if you try to solve everything in your life and everything being wrong is the problem, you're going to feel this way for the rest of your life. It's an issue of conception of what your problems are. And I think at the core of it is, anyway, I'm going to pause for a second. So any thoughts about that? Um, I, I would say that that when I said everything, I feel like I, it's just the way it, it, it's describing my feelings. Absolutely. I feel like, yes. And like, I don't 
rationalize it in my head as like I can't win or that you know I'm not attacking my problems like I can do something about this problem and like I don't look at it as one big giant I try not to so let me jump in for a second yes. which is exactly why I think a plan of attack is not your problem so okay. you're saying that if I'm if I feel like everything is the problem in my head I don't actually think everything is a problem I recognize that my cat is dying I don't have friends I'm making career change because the, the interesting thing is that OG, you actually seem very adaptive to me, right? So, like, I think you the plan of attack is actually not where you're you're missing out. You're saying you're assuming that I'm saying you need a plan of attack. No, I don't think you need a plan of attack because you've demonstrated. So you say you kind of talk about this relationship where you moved across country, right, to be with this woman. You spent two and a half years with her, and then you describe six months of a period of time where she's fucking other dudes, and she won't won't wouldn't fuck you for two and a half years. And the troll part of me was like, how the fuck can you be a sex addict if you're not having sex in a relationship? But, you know, I didn't say that. that right, right, right. And so, I mean, while that was going on, like, I was going on my little, like, to talk back about the behaviors. If I had to, like, describe, like, what that was like, it was, like, like three days out of the week I saw three different women. And I was just going through apps like an, like an addict. Sure. Like, that's, that's so. so that, my point is that like, the, so this looks like a bad scenario, right? Like right. everything that I just described seems like a bad scenario, but I actually think there's a lot of good stuff here. So let me hear like this. Is, I know this is going to sound weird, but so the first thing is that you were in a situation where you took drastic changes and just didn't sit there. So you decided to like up and move and try to make something of your life. You moved across right. country. You know, you sold whatever you needed to. You took drastic steps. I think a lot of the people that watch Twitch and watch our stream wish they could do what you did. They feel stuck because they're the ones that don't ever move out. They don't move across countries. They, they are, they're talking to a girl, but they don't have the balls to actually try to make it work. So the first thing is that you're adaptive and you're willing to make change, which I think is a huge plus. The second thing is that you tried for two and a half years to make this relationship work. Like, I know a lot of people that are like, I'm not going to get laid. I'm done in six months. Right? Or even three weeks or three days. I mean, I I really did love her. And that's like... So we'll get to that, all that crap in a second. Go ahead. My point, though, is that like, once again, you're, you're... So this is a guy who's adaptive, willing to make drastic changes, willing to like... It doesn't give up easily. Right? And then also, like, even though things are really, really bad, like, manages to finish nursing school, even though you're living with someone who won't fuck you and will fuck other dudes. And you, like, you manage to not drop out. Like, what the fuck, man? That's amazing. I, I've watched a lot of your other streams, and, like, um, I don't remember your guest's name, but, like, I really resonated with his situation and that, like, well, I think you were talking about how like there's an inevitable feeling of that you're going to run into failure. Right. Um and I'm kind of getting in there. I procrastinate like sure we all do. Terrible, terrible. <laughs> and I just feel like as I'm going further in academia, like I'm getting that reality check the further I go. Good. As in as if I don't change something about my behaviors, I will not be able to keep So so my point it OG about sharing all these positive things is I think you actually demonstrate through your history that you're pretty good at developing a plan of attack. That's not where your problem is. 
So I don't think your solution is to get better at a plan of attack because I just think, just take any one thing. Let's just take the one thing about moving to Tennessee. You wake right. up one day and you realize that your your drug addict roommates have used all your, your rent money for drugs and you're being evicted. I would just fall apart and roll around on the ground outside for about a few days before I even know what know what to do. And you start plan of attack. I can't take all this stuff to Tennessee. Where am I going to go? What are my options? Okay, Tennessee. There's something there that I could make work. I can tar- make life into le- lemons into lemonade, right? And then shit. you're like, I can't take all my shit because I only have a car, so I have to sell some shit. It's not leave it on the side of the road. It's actually sell it. So you made a little bit of money. You sold some stuff. Like there are all kinds of problems. you could, And then you move across country. You move in with her. She has trauma. Okay, plan of attack. How are we going to do that? We're going to be a good boyfriend. We love her. We're going to support her. We're not going to pressure her into sex. We're going to try to make this work. Plan of attack. All right. Now we're breaking up. There's something going on. She used to be emotionally invested in the relationship. There's no more tension in the rope. She's not emotionally invested in the relationship. Things are not working out. We're going to break up. You guys break up. Okay, now she's fucking other dudes. Plan of attack. What am I going to do? I'm going to fuck other chicks. Right? Plan of attack is not your problem. Your problem is not that like this is a monolith that needs to be broken down. Actually, that's your problem. Is that you need to change the perception that everything is wrong in your life. Because it is the perception that everything is wrong in your life that is making you feel overwhelmed. Because you're actually really good at managing problems. That's the bizarre thing. You actually have a bizarre amount of forward momentum and change and adaptation in your life. I know it doesn't feel that way to you. But like, it's... which is fair. So my point is that like, this needs to start with your feelings, not with your attack, not with your actions. You don't need to be doing things differently. You need to be feeling things differently. Because you're actually, it sounds like you're, you manage, you just manage really, really well, man. So, so like, and, and now we get to like, where do these feelings come from? Right? So we can talk about, you know, the sex addictive behaviors, and I'm sure that that may be titillating. But in my mind, like, I, I don't, I don't know that like diving down into the way in which you like, or, or, you know, on five dating apps. Like, I'm, I'm sure there's, that's worthwhile to talk about, but I don't think that like spending an hour talking about the way in which you use dating apps is going to help you. Yeah. Right? So like if we're really here, so now we have a fork in the road, which is like, do we want to satisfy the voyeurism of Twitch chat? And, and <laughs> you know, like, like do we have a conversation about like how do you get laid because people are like, how the fuck? I wish I was on five dating apps. Right. All right, listen up, Twitch. <laughs> <laughs> right, so that's uh, yeah. absolutely a, a conversation that we could have. But I, I mean, I think at the end of the day, I try to do live streaming as if I'm having a conversation with one person and I try to help that person. And so my, my biggest question for you, OG, is how many people have told you or have demonstrated to you that you're not good enough? Ooh, that one hurts. Yeah, a lot. <laughs> a lot. Um, I don't know. That feeling would definitely drive deep in probably feeling like the way I do about my dad is definitely like I wasn't good enough to, you know, have those types of like father-son interactions or to have enough like investment into my life that, you know. So you if can... you're not, I want you, to, I want to ask you something. When, when your ex-girlfriend when you started to feel like you weren't good enough for her, 
how hard did you try? Oh my fuck. Oh shit. No, I like we tried very hard. I don't know how to quantify. And so so it. how how overwhelmed so the 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 harder you tried if I were to draw a graph where the x axis is trying hard and the y axis sorry, the x axis is Let me think about this. So let me just ask the question in a different way. The, sure. the more that you feel you felt like inadequate or that you weren't good enough, you tried harder, right? Yeah. And, and when you were trying really, really hard, how overwhelmed did you feel? Uh, I felt like I was always like pushing against a wall Absolutely. all the time. Right, so like this is gonna sound really bizarre and I hope this makes sense. Your problem, OG, is that you're pushing against a wall and that's futile. And so I want you to just think about this. The problem isn't that you're unable, like the problem isn't that you're weak, the problem is that you're pushing against something that is immovable. Your solution is not to like get stronger so you can push the mountain. The solution is to stop trying to push a mountain. Like, I, I don't know if you know how to translate that into your actual life, but do you see what I'm saying? You're setting up a situation where futility is the only result. Like, just let's just think about this. So you feel like you're not good enough, so you try extra hard. And the harder you try, the more overwhelmed you feel and the more powerless you feel. The funny thing is that that feeling, like you wouldn't feel overwhelmed or powerless if you weren't pushing. Does that make sense? Like yes. there's, there's a futility, like just think about this. The harder you try, you're like giving everything and you're giving everything and you're giving everything and nothing is working and nothing is working and nothing is working and everything is wrong in your life and there's nothing you can do and you wake up every day and it's just a slog and you can't take it anymore. You've been doing this for years and you've been trying and trying and trying and all of your effort is futile. You're worthless. It's a whole big mess of worthlessness. And it starts with you trying. Because just imagine this for a second. If you didn't try, then are your actions futile? I see. What do you see? Explain it to us. Um, I think what you're talking about is that if I set an expectation of win or fail, if I don't have expectations of winning or failing and trying is kind of like implied into you know conquering whatever it is that i'm trying to um approach um but if i get rid of the expectation then there is no there is no struggle Th that's not exactly where i was going from it i think this is a this is a problem of you watching too much of our content <laughs> okay yeah, sorry so, <laughs> it's a little bit of a joke so i'm glad you've learned a lot yeah. But I'm gonna Thank I'm, you, I'm gonna way. try yeah. to I'm gonna try to like actually mold it a little bit more. What I what I want you to understand is that you are setting up a problem for yourself that you cannot win. Right? Sure. And so like this is what this is what exhausts, frustrates, and makes people want to give up is you set yourself up against an unsolvable problem 
and then you try a lot and then you like feel like a failure over and over again even though like the game is fucking rigged the problem is that not that life sets advantages and disadvantages against you that are like against you it's that you're setting you're setting yourself up for absolute failure and and the problem is that when you set yourself up for absolute failure you give forth absolute effort and you love 110% and you try 110% and you put up with all kinds of shit that is really like unreasonable to put up with where it, whether it's like yeah i mean i i don't I don't even get me started there there's all kinds of weird signs that like there's just like there's a pattern of like people fucking you over right yes the thing is like i don't think you're that dumb i think it's because you set yourself up for people fucking you over because you give in too much into the relationship when you should say, I shouldn't try to push against this wall anymore. You try to make her love you when, like, that's not something you can do. Right. Right? I, I learned that. <laughs> yes. Yes. But I don't think you did. So, like, you learned, actually, what you learned is that you can't make her love you, but you're sure as hell going to try the next person. And you're sure as hell going to try the next person. And you've been learning this lesson over and over and over again with individual people, but you haven't learned it in general. Because you tried to get your two best friends to love you, you tried to get this girl to love you, and you tried to get your dad to love you. And the reason that you try is because you're trying to get everyone to love you. Because at the core of it, you feel like you're unlovable. And this is the thing is that has to come out root and stem. Right. And and I feel like a lot of it is like I can't love myself. And like that's something I'm really trying hard to do is like have compassion for myself and yep. everything. There's that's the self loathing. Right? So like not only you're unlovable, you beat yourself up for being unlovable. And all of these behaviors, like do you see the patterns of trying like putting yourself in situations where people essentially take advantage of you? And then you're like, oh, fuck that. I'm not going to let these people take advantage of me. You move across country and you let someone else take advantage of you. And then you're like, fuck that. I'm done with that. Now you're over here. And then you let someone else take advantage of you. This pattern is actually of your own making. I don't think you're that unlucky. Like, this is yeah. not random chance. Like, when we see this pattern over and over and over again, I think you're creating it. Yeah, and I was, I feel like I was, like, I couldn't quite, I don't know. It's like I felt like I was responsible for a lot of like I was like this can't just be a me thing, or or, or a them thing I should say. There I'm definitely a part of this problem, and I just I need to figure out what it, exactly. So yes. now the question like so now like what I really want you to tunnel down is I think there are going to be some cases where if we tunnel down I would make this prediction that there are some moments where you feel unloved and someone is mistreating you. And in that moment, instead of acknowledging their mistreatment, what you do is you try to make them love you by, like, giving more. Yep. Because the thought of being unlovable is so intolerable to you because you've been hurt this way over and over and over again that, like, that becomes the spot that you try to protect. And this isn't... You going to say something? Nope. Okay. Nope. I'm going to keep just going. Feel it's, so, just feelings. It's cool. Yeah. So like, I want you guys to understand this. Like if you have a weak point, right? Like, let's say I take an arrow to the knee 
And then like the next day I take an arrow to the knee and the next day that I take an arrow to the knee, what happens is I start protecting myself. Like I, I'm going to put like armor over my knee because like that's where I keep on getting hit, right? Make sense? The problem is that the way that you try to protect yourself from feeling unloved is to put yourself in situations where that are untenable and will make you eventually feel rejected. It's like you're, you're putting on armor that has a bullseye on it, right? Like you're creating these patterns where you're essentially letting people abuse you like over and over and over again. Like you're creating abusive relationships for yourself. You're creating situations of abandonment where you overinvest because instead like the problem here, what I'm telling you, OG, is the problem is not not trying hard enough or not being strong enough. It's trying too hard. It's pushing against a wall that you can't move. I, I've, yes. And like what a thing that I'm afraid of, too, is that I worry about what happens when I turn that engine off. Beautiful. That's your fucking problem. That's exactly what you need to do. You need to face that fear. You need to accept that there's a possibility that people may not love you. Instead of trying to control them and make them love you, you have to accept that maybe they don't. And this is the fucking paradox thing. This is why Zen is so paradoxical. When you start doing that, people will start loving you. When you accept that people may not love you and that you can't make them love you when you let go of that control and you let go of that paranoia you're also going to stop tolerating the abusive behavior because you're going to say to yourself okay this person is not treating me right i can't make them treat me right they don't love me so be it therefore i don't have to double down and invest twice as much in the relationship oh like i'm pushing against this wall and it's not moving because it's attached to a bank and the bank is 500, like, thousand square feet. And it's made of brick and cement. And I can't push it. Oh, maybe I should stop. But that's not what you do. Because, like, when you feel the resistance of someone not loving you, when that feeling of not being loved arises within you, you push harder and harder and harder and harder and harder. And it doesn't cause the mountain to move. And it just leaves you exhausted. I think you figured me out, Dr. K. What does that do for you, though? I figured you out. Fantastic. I'm going to go have lunch now. Go fuck right. yourself. And, and, like, the problem, I I feel like, I feel like I come to, like, very similar conclusions. Just, I feel like yours is, your conclusion is super eloquent and, like, how it encompasses everything. It's just, I'm like, I'll get to the point where, like, okay... Like, the problem is coming from me. How do I stop this? How do I, like, how do I do it? Exactly. Yes. So what do you do with this, man? What do you think? It's hard. Um, I have to be, like, willing to let go of a lot. How, How do you be willing to let go? I'm going to help you. Don't worry. My point is that everything up until this point is worthless without the next step. You get that? 
Like I've not helped you 1%. Like helping you is going to be binary today. We can go 99% of the road, but unless we can help you with the next step, this doesn't help at all. You with me? Okay. Like showing you what your problem is, like sure, good diagnosis precedes good treatment, but like good diagnosis with no treatment is worthless. So there are two solutions, okay? The first thing is I want you to recognize this as it's happening and stop pushing. There are going to be moments, and I, I don't even, I'm not, I'm not even going to say there are going to be moments. Who, because I just don't accept this for a second. Who in your life right now are you trying to win over? Actually, maybe not COVID. Uh, I'm trying to win over myself. It's weird. Okay. I'm, I don't know. I'm trying, I'm really trying not to, like, personally, my, my goal, well, my challenge right now that I'm trying to work through is just trying to be independent. Because I've, you've kind of tapped into like a lot of my codependency issues that I've yep. had throughout. Yes. And um, my thing is, is I just want to be independent. I yep. don't okay. like it. Yes. So I'm trying to be independent. How do you try? So what do we do? What's our solution to that? <laughs> <laughs> In that regard, um, I need some source of like, love that it's not coming from external sources like i need incorrect. to incorrect no so Go. remember that the goal here is to stop trying right yes so you're trying okay. to be independent so what should you do not care about being independent absolutely you should accept that you're not ready to be independent and being independent means not relying on external sources of love so what should you do not care <laughs> incorrect you should care you should rely on external sources of love whatever direction you're going in your head right now you need to move in the opposite direction okay yeah because this is can i just get yeah. one thing that i feel sure. so like i have a problem like the reason i feel like another thing that ties in my self-loathing into this whole little cycle too is like a the stigma of everything i'm doing but b um Um, sorry, I lost my thought. That's okay. If it's important, it'll come back. Sure. Continue though. I'll come back. I'll, I'll remember it. Okay. So like, this is exactly my point, right? So like, like you're trying to be independent and how many times have you told yourself that? Uh, like every day, yeah. like when are we going to like every, it's kind of like a little bit of like avoidance right now. Yeah. Um, so when did you start telling yourself that you need to be independent? Uh, as soon as my mom probably got into the apartment, that was I was incorrect. Like, no. Well, this has been going on. I'm feeling predominantly that way right now. But I, I understand. Mean, it's probably, that. Yeah. You're telling um, me that when you were growing up, you didn't have thoughts that I need to get on. I need to get by without my dad because he's not. No, I here. didn't. No. Really? You're right. I didn't I'm, feel that way. As in, I felt like I had to win him over. As in, like, I didn't think of how do I go about my life without this thing. I went about my life thinking, how can I get this thing? And you also didn't have the... I'm a little bit surprised. That actually means I'm wrong. But uh, so, so, but you didn't, you didn't eventually conclude that, like, you need to get on without your dad. Like, he's not going to show up and that you need independence. Um... 
I have done a really good job of just like out of sight, out of mind with my dad for a lot of years now. Because there was a point where he he is going to be who he is and whatever. Right. So that speaks to me of independence. Okay. Right? So like at some point you gave up on him and you decided, like it seems to me like you learned how to be independent and you you had to become independent because he wasn't fucking around. Like Mm -hmm. he wasn't around. Right. Yeah. Anyway, so I mean, I think ultimately that's not, you know, I, I, so I have like my sense, OG, is that all this crap is related. So your desire for your independence, your tendency to be codependent, your hunger for people to love you has to relate to this like general idea. Like why do people need to feel loved by other people? Why do you need to make other people love you? Go ahead. You have a thought? Yes, I remembered what I was going to say. So like the stigma was A and then B is just like the way it makes me uh, feel um, knowing that I have to approach something external and it can't come from within me. Like everything, like these these drugs, like sex and everything like that, in order to make my, myself feel happy or content, I have to approach something external and it can't yes. come from with, so within myself. This is going to be really confusing but, like, that is what you need to accept. Because I know this is going to sound really fucking weird, but I want you to really run with me for a second, okay? Okay. When you make, try to make someone love you, who is in control? They are. Incorrect. No? Okay, go on. Think, I'm going to ask the question again. When, you make, when you're trying to make someone love you, who is the agent that has power? Where is the action? It's in my desire to want to make it happen. So it's, it's from me. Yeah, it's not even your desire. You're exerting effort on another human being to make them love you. Right? Do you like see how that, if I'm trying to make something happen, I'm the one who's exerting the power. You presume that you have the control to make someone love you. Otherwise, you wouldn't fucking do it. You actually have the control. They don't have the control. What you're terrified of is giving them the capacity to not love you. Do you see that? The control is actually in your hands, not in theirs. And that's why it's so fucking frustrating because the control isn't actually in your hands, but in your mind, that's what you're trying to do. Like, just think about it for a second. I'm trying to make someone love me. I can't do that. But even I'm trying to make, that implies that like I'm trying to make a chair. I'm trying to make a bowl of noodles. I'm trying to make a life for myself. I'm trying to make a light that turns on like who's in control in all of those statements. So this is me fighting against that metaphorical wall again. Yes, absolutely. Yes. But the thing here is that what you need to do is stop trying to be independent. Stop trying to control other people because that's still you. That's you being independent because you're not actually in a relationship with another human being who has thoughts and feelings. You have all of the relationship that you're bearing on your shoulders. You're pulling the rope entirely. There's no tension on the other side because you're owning all of that responsibility. You're taking all of that responsibility and you're trying to make them love you and you're pushing, 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 pulling, pulling, pulling so much love into the void. Do you see that? It's all one-sided. Everything about this is one-sided. With me? Okay. When I push against the wall, does the wall push back? Oh, like my physics, but, but yes, I see what you're saying. No, it does not. It's it's most in your scenario. It's mostly just me exerting effort. The walls just 
being there. Yeah, and actually, if you want to go like really five head, you throw in physics. Because yeah. you're right that whatever you throw in, no matter how hard you try, what is the result? You stay the same. Because this ex-girlfriend exerts an equal and opposite force to make sure that the relationship doesn't move forward. Right. So you're actually right. Both cases are true. Now we see why your life is futile because you set up this like weird, you know, psychophysics experiment where you're exerting a lot of futility because you're trying to control everything. You are living in a world where there is your assumption is that there is not an equal and opposite reaction. I am making her love me. There's no agency on her, her end because you can't surrender the fact that people may not be able to love you. Once you surrender that people may not be able to love you, and furthermore, that you're not an island un unto yourself, that you can't be independent right now, and that, like, I hate to break it to you, buddy, but what you need is love. Like, you get that? Like, you need someone to love you in the way that you love them. Yeah, that's the way it feels, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. And so, the, the, like, don't ignore your feelings and say, like, just think about this for a second. You're hungry and thirsty for love. You've been hungry and thirsty for love, theoretically, your entire life, right? And, and, and every time someone doesn't love you, it hurts. And so you go and, you, like, the way to take someone who's hungry and thirsty is we don't tell them you need to be independent of hunger and thirst. Like, that doesn't fucking work, man. Right? You need to be loved. And the way that you're going to get loved is by recognizing that you can't make someone love you and then you've got to roll the dice. And I can almost guarantee you that for patterns as baked in as yours are, there's someone right now in your life that you are trying to win over. And you do it every moment when you think about how other people perceive you. Because in that moment, you're not letting, you're, you're not even letting us Judgy, you're saying like, oh, this like statement, I know it sounds cathartic, but it's not. You're trying to control our perception, even now. Yeah. Let us think whatever the fuck we want about you. Let us see you for who you are and, and be, let yourself be free from the possibility that we think you're an awful person or that you're idiotic. Free yourself. We think you're a dumbass. Twitch chat thinks you're a dumbass. So what? Let go of trying to control other people's perceptions. Let go of trying to make other people love you. And once you do that, you're going to stop investing your energy into a futile problem. And if you're not investing your energy in a futile problem, lo and behold, you may start investing it in things that can actually like start to bear fruit. And then like, oh, what the fuck? We're actually like not treading water because we're moving in a direction. The energy investment of treading water and moving in a direction is basically the same. The problem is that like you're in the ocean and you found an island and you're pushing against it instead of like actually moving somewhere else or like getting out of the water. The analogy is falling apart at this point. <laughs> I, get, I, I understand though. So very concretely, I want you to think about your relationships and notice within yourself, like, when do I feel unloved? That's what you have to tap into. I, yeah, it, it hits me really quickly. Um, 
because yep. I'm always a big proponent of, you know, actions speak more than words. Um, and, like, that's the first thing I look at is, like, are they behaving in a way that shows See, affection? Or... Okay. Now, let me just see. Okay, we got some. Okay. So, okay, yeah. So now we see, like, why you have relationship cycles, right? Because, like, you come in and, like, when you perceive an action that's an insult to your, like, self-worth, you have to emotionally invest to, like, balance that. I don't know if that makes sense. But, like, someone does something, like, they don't return a text, and then you feel unloved. And then, like, then the cycle begins. And then you have to invest more in the relationship because you have to get them to love you. And then they don't return another text. And then you have to get them to love you even more. Do you see that? Like, that's yes. the trigger. The biggest thing is that you have to acknowledge, like, when they don't return the text, you have to catch it then and there. That sometimes people just don't return texts. And it's not because, like, there's something wrong with you. But the problem is that you have, like, been hit, it, like, you have been hurt so many times that your fear that you're unlovable starts to see things in the shadows that are not there. Right? It's like walking outside when it's dark outside and seeing a rope on the ground and thinking it's a snake. It's an analogy that's yeah. from an Ayurvedic textbook that doesn't really translate here because we don't have snakes in America. But I mean, we do, but anyway. It's like, yeah. you know. Not, not in Boston. Yeah. Um, but I see. So let me just be very, very concrete, okay? So the first thing is for you to recognize the feeling of being unloved. And then recognize that that feeling of being unloved is going to push you to engage in certain behaviors. And you have to isolate those. You have to see what they, th those are. And then the third thing is to recognize that the stuff going, feeding into the feeling of un being unloved may be incorrect. This is a cognitive bias, right? Sometimes people just don't return texts. It doesn't mean that they don't think you're a good person. Yes. Yeah. I, I feel like I, I, especially with the example of texting, I feel like I, you know, I'll feel the emotion and I feel like I'm very good about catching those already because I, I will rationalize it down and I'll address it with logic. Like, no, no, no. You know, people are busy. They have things going on in their lives that you are not the center of their universe. You know, they have, you know, who are you to them? Whatever. You know, like... Oh, you were doing great until that last sentence. Who are you to them? Yes. You're unlovable to them. You're not worth it to them. See? You are not the center of their universe. You were doing great. Everything was rational until that yes. unlovable scar popped up and said, you are not worth their time. You see how that happened? I hope you guys caught it on Twitch chat. First couple things were rational. Third thought was a sumscar. This shit is subtle and it's deep, my friend. You're doing very good, but it's still trickier. It's trickier than you are. As I, try, I try. I try really hard to catch it, though. Good. And so you should keep trying. Because it's good. You, you caught the, you know, the first couple. But I'm not supposed to try. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Now we get to the next thing, right? Which is, which is yeah. when you don't actually, so when you rationalize it, you don't actually deal with it emotionally. The question that you need to ask yourself is, you know, sure you can rationalize. They don't have, you know, they can't be around all the time, but what does it feel like to not be a priority for them and sit with that feeling? 
Because then, like, then you throw yourself a pity party and, like, don't do that. Like, it's okay to, like, not be someone's priority. Can I sit with that feeling? Can I sit with the feeling that I, I don't feel like a priority to them? And I don't want that to change my action. I actually don't want to try. I don't want to try to protect myself from that hurt because that's one option, right? I'm never going to text them again. Fuck it. Or I'm going to get, I'm going to try to get them to love me more. Like, don't do anything. Just sit. You need to not do anything. Notice those feelings of rejection and just sit with them for, for a while. And it's going to feel bad. It's like, you ever cleaned out a garbage disposal? Oh, yeah, it's pretty mucky. Yeah. Yep. So, like, you know the feeling when you first put your hand into the garbage disposal? Where you, like, almost gag? Yeah. yeah. And then, like, what happens the few seconds after that? You're like, my hand's already wet. Might as well go the entire... Yep. We're... Right? So, like, the first three seconds of putting your hand into a garbage disposal are the worst part. And then once you're in the filth, it's then, you, then you're fine. You get what I'm saying? Yes. So you need to put your hand in the garbage... I mean... Obviously not why it's all on or anything, right? So, but, yes, but, yeah. But, like, you need to sit in the filth, which you're not ready to do. And what you'll realize is, like, sure, it's mucky, but, like, after time, it's not going to be that bad. Right. And acknowledge that you're unlovable. And acknowledge that you can't be independent. And acknowledge that in order for you to be healed, you need to be loved. And then the most terrifying thought is that that's not something that you can guarantee. And understand that for the rest of your life, there's a chance that when you die, you will still be broken. And if you can do that, then you'll start to move forward. It's it's really hard for me to, like, quit or, like, not even quit. Like, it's hard for me to give up on things. Like, yes, it's really hard. Yep. <laughs> like, I, um, I teach martial arts on the side. Um, I run a judo program at a university here and like uh, there's so much there's there's so many times where i'll just teach hurt like i'll be hurt like i have a grade two sprain in my left ankle right now and i'll still teach on it i haven't teach taught recently because they closed down all the classes and everything like that because of covid but like like i'm always i don't know it's really there's hard. the trying again so now, beautifully said. So, OG, I don't know exactly what this is going to look like for you, but I think what you should do is notice those things about yourself where you don't want to give up and then try to give up. Or if you can't give up, then give up on giving up. And at least accept. Don't try, but say like, oh, fuck it. This is not going to work. Like, I'm a dumbass and I'm going to teach on this, this messed up ankle because I'm so attached to this that I'm not willing, like my pride is so big that I'm not willing to like, look, feel ashamed in front of people because I have an injury because I'm the teacher and I'm supposed to be invincible. That's this complex in my head and it's too big of a bull for me to restrain. You can do that too. Or you can okay. actually sit out your judo class if you're injured. That's, those are the reps that you need to do. You need to start by giving up little, little, little things. And it's good that you notice that that's beautiful. So now you just like make yourself as best as you can not teach that judo class and then give up something else and then give up something else and then give up something else until you ain't doing shit until you become what Twitch chat is, which is sitting around doing nothing all day instead of being this try hard fucker that you are. You see Twitch chat trying hard doesn't doesn't pay. You guys have the winning strategy. 
the, the, the really sad and ironic thing is that Twitch chat tries really hard too. That's their problem, is they try so, so hard and then they feel overwhelmed and exhausted because you're trying so hard, man, and it's just not working. Yep. Anyway, thoughts or questions before we wrap up? No, thank you very much for having me on. I really appreciated it. Um, I really loved your insight into what's going on in my life. So, so can you recap for us, OG, what you understood about our conversation today or what you think was relevant or helpful? Walk us um, through as much as you can. So understanding, I think a big thing that we talked about was understanding what is futile because in my life, like I am approaching it in such a way where I'm becoming the problem because I'm not accepting that giving up is acceptable to me. And I like dealing with um, feeling um, these emotions of not being lovable. Um, And then how do like going like the the relationship between being unlovable and like the freedom that it brings of like accepting that you can go through your life and be unlovable but at the same time like it frees you from the burden of trying and failing and trying and failing and avoiding those cycles um also what else we we went over essentially like those cycles in depth of like what's going on um uh, understanding that you know someone's not going to pitch into the pot with their emotional investment if you're doing all of the work Very if, you're, if you're you know if you're gonna just put 50 percent in and if they put 50 percent in that seems pretty nice yeah <laughs> So that's, that's actually next level shit. So now, like, I want you to really think about this other relationship, right? This two and a half year relationship. Yep. I think the biggest problem with that relationship is that you let her get away with giving less than 50%. Because you wanted the relationship to work so hard that you gave 100%. And thereby, you let her off the hook. If you want to feel loved and if you want a relationship to work out, you can't do all of the work. You just can't, right? You've got to let her right. do her part. The problem is that if you let her do her part, you're ceding control that she may not do it and then the relationship could fail and you're ceding control. You see that? Yes. And I, I it's always weird because I always feel like I'm never in control. Yep. And so thus, thus I'm fighting against those invisible walls again, trying to gain back that yes. sense of powerlessness. Yes. So you've got to let yourself be powerless. Yeah. That's, it's, I don't know. There's so much other things that like have contributed to like me being where I am. Absolutely. Yeah. And the, like. The good news, OG, is that when people have problems that are everything, it's been my overwhelming experience that if you can, you know, grab this one thing, that a lot of things in your life will come tumbling down in terms of barriers. I've seen that. Yeah. But beautifully put. Yeah. My, my whole thing is like, I, if I'm to give up, I would just want to be able to do it with grace. I don't know. 
But that's probably like ties into caring what other people think. Beautiful. See, now you're getting there. You have to give up, giving up with grace. You have to fail like a dumbass. You have to let yourself fail like a dumbass. You see yep. like how ingrained it is. Every thought that you have, this attachment is right behind it. It's recursive, man. It's like Inception. You can go as many layers as you want to. And like, it's always going to be there. I want to give up with grace. I want to fail magnificently. Right. Because that, yeah, it's the implications there. It's just underneath the surface. Absolutely. Yeah. That's how deep I, it is. Good. Yeah. I hope uh, people often, Yeah, I, I say things out loud and then I'll be like, oh, I didn't know I felt that way. Oh, that makes sense, you know. Good. <laughs> That's good. So the other thing that you can think about doing, I don't know if you've seen a therapist, but you should maybe see a therapist and talk about your dad. Yeah. Um, that's another thing that I'm dealing with too, is just like not, not having medical insurance is crazy. Sure. Um, but the university offers a, um, a f not free. Well, it, it is now, but they were, it's like the copay is like 15 bucks. It's nothing. Sure. For individual so. visits, but Yep. Okay. We've been. I've. I've already made progress, though. Doing Good. That. Yep. But I could focus on that next time. So, so other thoughts, OG. I thought that was a beautiful summary. But if I, I mean, I jumped in there, so I didn't. You know. Oh no. You're. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah, you should play Final Fantasy VII. Okay. It's really, really good. Like, they've done a wonderful job. You can tell. Like, that's something that I really like care about nowadays. It's like actually seeing effort in video games like Same. you can actually see the effort Same. you're like oh there was passionate developers that went into this game and you can see yeah. like how passionate they were you can see that in final fantasy 7 it's not just formulaic soulless cobbled together what no. works by the gaming executives but a game that right. was made by gamers i'm with you dude for sure yeah you got like a bad corporate takeover with yeah. video games it's pretty terrible but yeah. no that the game's wonderful um i think you'll really like it um if you play deep rock galactic that's a really fun one too yeah uh, yeah okay cool man thanks for the recommendation and good luck yeah. yeah we're rooting for you yes sir thank you again for having me on i really do appreciate oh, it oh actually hold on a second let me think about meditation let's do meditation i keep on forgetting sure. what kind of meditation is going to Oh, can I ask you yeah. real quick? Um, so, with Ayurveda, um, so I tried taking like a lot of the the dosha quizzes and everything like that, and I can't really find like a really good one because I get like mixed results. But like half the time, I come up really strong on like Vata, and then other times I come up like predominantly um, uh, not Pitta. Uh, what's the Kapha? Yes. Yeah. So. I don't know because you're I've, I've been, kapha. Uh, the ones I've been looking at lately has been kapha vata. Yeah. So so do you yeah. remember it? Have you seen like any of the stuff that we've done on Ayurveda? Did you watch the webinar one? I've watched. Uh, I think I've watched a part of that. I think okay. I might have watched that one. Yeah. So like, I, if you guys watch that part of the anyway, what's your question? I mean, sorry for jumping. Um, what would be a good way to like tailor like? Because like my big thing, I'm ADHD too, so it's like organization is really important for me and I'm like I was like I've noticed there's some things that are like oh that fits perfectly with me and like you know with these you know the doshas and everything Let like me that see I was like hands. oh that other other side yeah okay
Thanks. Yeah, I'm I'm like for context. I'm sitting down, but I'm like a. I know they they bring in a lot of like body type like yep. uh, characteristics into. I'm like six foot three. Yep. And like two. Yeah, but I'm kind of lanky at the same time. Yep. Yeah. So, so uh, like that, for those of y'all watching it, anyway. So what's your question? And then before I. I I just what would what would you recommend as far as like because the, like there's different diets that they recommend. I don't know. Like. I'm trying to look for like a template of like how I can kind of organize myself. Yeah, very good. So let's start by understanding what your dosha is. So you have a very round face and a very sharp nose, right? So you're okay. kind of like a vata kapha, which like I haven't done a great job in explaining vata kapha because I kind of make them out to be opposites, but they're not. They're just three different axes, right? Right. So you also have a very, very classic story for a vata kapha which is that you stay in relationships in bad situations for longer than you need to. That's your guffiness. That's the downside of resilience. Other people would have left that relationship way earlier than two and a half years, but you have the staying power to push against that mountain for way longer than other people do. And we see the vataness because you're not in a relationship for 10 years, but you have frequent cycles of the same thing. So you have fluctuation of like, you find yourself in bad situations very, very often and in different bad situations very, very often. So we hear that from your like story, right? Like roommates and then this girl and then friends who abandoned you and then switching careers and then becoming a nurse and then like not become, like now you're in school again. Yeah, that, that's a whole nother but, story. With but you're not, you're not full Vata because you actually complete your nursing degree. You're gonna finish school. Like you got, you see the difference? Like this is Vata and Kapha. There's a lot of career changes, but they're not half finished career changes like Vata's are. And may, people uh -huh. may think that, oh, at least getting a nursing degree is better than not finishing a nursing degree. To which I would ask you, like, remember that it's not really better or worse. It's just like, is it better to fully finish a nursing degree if you're not going to be a nurse or better to abandon it halfway? Yeah. Right? It's a, yeah. So in terms of what to do for Vata Kapha, I'd say eat warm foods of like medium moisture. Make sure your bowel movements are somewhat regular. Make sure you're not constipated and you want them to be a little bit, yeah. So like warm foods is the most important things. You wanna eat things that are sour. So sour fruits are gonna be very good for you. Okay, yeah, I eat a lot of mango as is. I kinda just naturally do. <laughs> so, the, uh, so mango, so actually you should do citrus instead of mango. So okay. mango is kinda creamy. Okay. Right? So, like, you want foods that are a little bit lighter than that. So, mango right. actually increases kapha because it's, like, thick and creamy. Pudding, okay. mango, avocado, these are fruits, like, so pomegranate, citrus, those are better tart fruits for you. Okay. Berries, also good. I mean, mango's good for you, but Ayurveda would say you can get a little bit of mileage. Yeah. There's, yeah, mango and marijuana go together, though. Yeah. Yeah. So. Okay. So great yeah. question. And then I, I, I mean, I need to do like more Ayurvedic stuff about what you guys should do if you have two yeah. body types. I, I, I love it because it's just like, I'm from the Western side of like the spectrum and how we like look at medicine. And then I see the Eastern kind of like take on it. And it's not that like, I feel like, oh, this is very weird and abstract and it's not true. I just feel like they have a different context of yep. like realizing things that like, western medicine won't because they're they can't make the same leaps and bounds I don't yeah know. so it's it's just a different kind of setup yeah and, and um, i yeah go ahead sorry 
I, I, I appreciate it though. Like I, I like the whole the system is really like interesting to me. So Okay, I have a meditation practice for you. Sure. <laughs> you're gonna get you're so screwed. Okay. So I want you to sit up straight. Alright. Okay. It's gonna be so simple and so hard. So sit up straight, close your eyes. And I want you to observe your breath. So I want you to breathe three breaths with full observation. Now, as you observe the breath, is it changing? Are you controlling it? Um, I follow it from like my lungs and I feel it mm -hmm. pass through all my airways. Uh, I just feel it. Um, okay, when... close, close your eyes. Yeah. So is the rate or depth of your breathing changing once you start to observe it? Are you breathing differently now that you're observing it? Yes. Okay. I want you to stop. Stop changing the breath. Just observe it without changing it. Breathe exactly like you were while we've been talking. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> Don't slow it down. Don't deepen it. Don't make it artificially shallow. See, it's, it's really, it's, I'm having a hard time because I don't know. It, the problem is I'm trying to breathe normally and I'm trying something. And I think that's tied into this meditation technique. I see what you, you're doing. So do it. Close your eyes. This is really hard for me. Okay. <clears throat> How's it working? This is really hard good that means you're doing it right it's it's because like the first instinct i have is to think how do i how do i breathe normally what is my normal breath pattern like but the problem is it's like it's kind of like a schrodinger's cat thing because you don't know <laughs> like you'll right. never yeah no hold on so now let's think you're doing it right so now tell so what first of all what's schrodinger's cat thing explain yourself because i keep on cutting you off so it it's like a talking about the observer effect and like under like they use it as like an example to explain like quantum phenomenon or shenanigans like that but essentially um the the cat inside is in a state of like either being alive or dead and the observer effect is you opening that box and realizing what it is but at the same time like you could never know that possibility without observing it so yeah. I think that's analogous to this meditation exercise because I will never truly know what my normal breathing pattern is because in 
observing it, I am actually tainting the experiment. Mm -hmm. So what I'm hearing from you is that you can't observe without exerting at least a tiny bit of control. Yes. So what do you think? And then you were also kind of talking about not knowing what your normal breathing pattern is. Yeah, because it's like I so don't what know should how you, to... what should you do about that? I, I, I kind of like want to shortcut the whole thing and just not think about the breathing at all. Okay. What does that mean? That means like the... Because I feel like I'll never truly be able to observe a normal breath because that lingering doubt of whether or not I'm exerting control Good. over the situation. Good. So you've leveled up. Beautifully done. So now you're ready for the second part of the technique, which you did very good. So now I'm going to frame it for you a little bit, okay? So the first is that you should do this technique in two ways. One is to sit and do it with your eyes closed. And the second is to sneak attack it. So, go on. Huh? Like, so throughout the day, see if you can catch your breath and observe it without it noticing that you're looking. See if you can notice it without changing okay. it. But it's got to be a sneak attack because if you start to observe it, it's going to change. So sneak attack it. And okay. do both. And see what you can figure out. Very cool. I like it. It'll reinforce that mental thought process of being able to let go hopefully yes yes right it'll also reinforce the thought process of you catching yourself throughout the day and noticing what's going on inside you right so it's to hold yep. an awareness of what you're looking for throughout your day and once you can once you start sneak attacking the breath and trying to catch it here or there you can also be on the lookout for the feeling of unloveness. Mm -hmm. Good luck, man. Yep. Thank you again for having me. Take care. Yep. Thanks for being on here. Yep. Okay. All right, so uh, I don't know if I, I hope he's not watching. Okay, so OG, if you're watching, you have to stop watching. Actually, I know I won't say. All right, let's see. What do we want to do now? Do we want to do? Do we have time for a question? But maybe not. Let's see if we can. Hold on. Let's see if we can. Oh, yeah, okay. Great. Hey, we have time for a question? Two? Hey. Uh, yeah. Sure. Let's do it. All right, let's do questions. Yo. Yo, man, what's up? What's up? So I have two, ca two ca questions. So the first one is, how do we approach the situation in di di different ways when we feel stuck in life? Uh, where we sh we should start, and if we should adopt new ways of thinking or reflecting, that's the first one. So, how do you approach feeling stuck in life? 
yeah. Well, so I think that depends a little bit about how you're stuck. But I'd say the first thing, you know, the takeaway from this week is that a lot of people are not stuck because of what life gives them, but because of what they put on themselves. Okay. Right. So the first thing is like, what is your contribution to being stuck? And should you change your thinking? Absolutely. And oftentimes you want to change it in kind of like the way that, like if you've been thinking that there's a particular way to get out of being stuck, like let's say you don't have any money and your, your thought is like, you know, I need to get a job, I need to get a job, I need to get a job. Like if you're still stuck after having that thought that you need to get a job, you need to maybe have a different kind of thought. So like just imagine take getting a job off the table and asking yourself like, okay, how do I get money? Like if like, it's not just about getting a job, like where else can I start to move forward? Because if your mind has come up with some solutions and those haven't worked for you, as logical as they may seem, just let go of that solution. Okay. So the second question is, oh, how do I make fenugreek uh, seeds taste better? Because when I drink sometimes, uh, seeds with uh, water in the morning. Uh-huh. Uh, I need to make locked, lots of uh, effort to drink it because it tastes, tastes very Yeah, so I'm sorry, what was your question? So fenugreek seeds taste bad or water tastes good? Uh, no, fenugreek tastes bad. Uh, how can I make it taste better? You can't make it taste better. Why do you want it to taste better? So I can drink it more often. Often. Why can't you drink it because it tastes fat? Uh, yeah, okay. Because it's hard to swallow. So, are you, you soak them overnight so they're soft? Yeah. Okay. But the taste makes do it hard to swallow. Do you chew them? Uh, yeah, sometimes. Okay, so if you chew them, they're going to be bitter. But like my bigger question to you, what's your name, buddy? Uh, Nuno. So Nuno, why is it that you let things that you don't enjoy control your actions? Sorry, can you repeat again? So why is it that like something tasting bad keeps you from doing it? Why can't you eat things that taste bad? Yeah, because I don't know. I have to think about it. Good. Then think about it. That's exactly what I want you to do. So this is, I have a meditation practice for you today, you know? Okay. What do you have in your house that you don't like to eat? Lot of things. Like what? <laughs> like vegetables, like salads and things. Like, do you have like something in your house right now that you can go pick up and eat and put into your mouth? Uh, let me think. I think so. Okay. So go and eat that thing. Go, no. do, go do it now and then no. ask yourself. Yeah. So like, I'm going to tell you what to do. So I want you to ask yourself, like, what is it about this that I don't enjoy? And can I do this? Or does the lack of enjoyment, like, hold me back from doing it? Because the reason that you're stuck may be very, very different from the reason that OG is stuck and also the same. Because it sounds like you don't let yourself do things that you don't enjoy. And if you could do the things that you don't enjoy, then you wouldn't be stuck anymore. 
So it is you that's holding yourself back because you don't like something. Like, you're not going to move anywhere in life if you don't do things that you don't like. If you can free yourself of being restricted by the things that you like to, then life becomes really, really easy. Yeah. So go and eat. And for those of you at home, I want you guys to spend as long as you can eating things that are a balanced diet and also the things that you like the least. So the next time that you make a meal or you go, I mean, no one's going to restaurants nowadays, but let's say you go and pick up food. You're going to order food, right? If you go and get takeout, you're going to have options between things that you like and things that you don't like. And the funny thing about us is we always order the things that we like. So I want you guys to practice ordering the things that you don't like or eating the things that you don't like. Okay. And if you get good, if, if the things that you don't like no longer control you, then how would your life change, Nuno? Do you have any idea? Uh, yeah, I think so. I would be more healthy, like, and a lot of things I can think. Like, sometimes I, I don't like to study, but I need to do it. But if I could uh, just observe the feeling of not liking to study, I think... Uh, I could study more, for example. Good. So there's a there's actually like a pretty extreme meditative practice called Aghori Sadhana. So sadhana means spiritual practice. Ghor means fear. And Aghori means no fear. So these are people that as part of their spiritual practice do not let fear control what they do. So they live in cemeteries practice cannibalism and all kinds of other weird shit. They tend to be like pretty infamous. But there's like a spiritual practice that kind of says that like if if you want control over yourself, you have to do things that you sort of find repulsive. I'm not yeah. saying that you guys should do things that you find repulsive, but I'm saying that like think about how bad you, you how much your life is restricted by the things that you like or don't like. And if you could remove that, if you could like everything equally, and playing a video game was no different from studying, imagine what you could accomplish. Yeah. And if you want to start walking that road, it starts with little, little things like ordering the food that you like the least on the menu. That's very true. Good luck, man. Thanks, man. Ready for next. It is difficult. Hello. Hey. What's up, man? Hey, Dr. K. I was wondering if your body can become addicted to a certain emotion. Oh, that's an interesting question. What do you think? Uh, when we see addiction, addiction, uh, the behavior, uh-huh. right, is usually triggered by the lack of an emotion in the when you are young or something like that, right? You are basically reacting to a samskara. Okay. So, but but there is like addiction to alcohol. Sure. So when when people 
try to go cold turkey of alcohol, mm-hmm. the the body reacts right because yep. uh, it needs that alcohol. It has been for functioning for so long with that substance in the body that it basically needs to stay alive. So if you have been like shit talking your coworkers or something like that, you may become addicted to that little payoff that you get for the shit talking or whatever. Yeah. So, I mean, that makes sense to me. So I, I wouldn't really call that an addiction, but let, let me just try to clarify a couple of terms. So I, I think everything you said makes sense. So the first thing is that I don't think that people uh, use addictive behaviors when they're not feeling anything. I think they usually use addictive behaviors when they are feeling something negative because the addictive behavior takes away the feeling of negativity. So OG like sometimes engages in sexual relationships or people use substances because they feel sad or lonely or unloved or whatever. With me? I think a lot of times people aren't aware of what the emotion is, but usually I think about addictive behaviors as making bad emotions go away. All right. With me or not with me? Yeah, yeah. It's coping, going wild. Yep, exactly. That's a great way to put uh, to describe addiction. Now, so then your question is like, uh, can your body be addicted to certain feelings? And I mean, I, I was kind of envisioning like sitting in a chair. Like, can I get addicted to sitting in a chair? I mean, the short answer is sort of. Like, I don't know if it's really an addiction, but I think that generally speaking the mind and body are drawn to things that satisfy certain needs. So shit talking your coworkers, I wouldn't really call that an addiction. I would call that like satisfying your ego. And you could call satisfaction of uh, ego your addiction, but that sounds like, so you can definitely have repetitive behaviors that create common feelings in your body. I just don't know that I would quite classify that as an addiction. Does that make sense? Like, I think it makes sense that you would frequently shit talk your coworkers because you feel better and then you will, you will seek that feeling better over and over and over again. But in my mind, like even those, those two things sound the same. I feel like there are different words to describe those. One word just hasn't been invented yet. But I think the, like the mechanism of addiction and the mechanism of ego is being like separate neurological pathways. Like there are different parts of the brain. Okay, uh, but like emotions aren't like uh, they they act on our physiology, right? Sure. And like we have so much cortisol, so much dopamine and stuff. So can we get like addicted to that cortisol level and make? Uh, uh, behaviors to reach that that cortisol, like get stressed on purpose. To... Yes, yeah, so, so, sort of. But I, once again, I, I wouldn't quite use the word addiction because addiction means a specific thing neuroscientifically. So, but can you get into patterns where you like, so like there are adrenaline junkies, right? So adrenaline junkies are in a sense addicted to certain kinds of behaviors because they like the feeling of like adrenaline pumping through their veins. 
So reward, so I, I would call it reward chasing as opposed to addiction. Because reward chasing involves like under, if we talk about reward chasing, addiction is on, you know, all addictions are reward chasing, but not all reward chasing is an addiction. Oh, I see you now. Got it? So like, I, yeah, I don't, yeah. I mean, just because I love to play a video game doesn't mean that I'm addicted to a video game, even though I like that feeling. Like, I, I mean, I recently I've been talking about Deep Rock Galactic because that's what I've been playing because... I can play for like 25 minutes at a time, which is nice because I have kids. But like I, I, I like to play it. I enjoy it because we definitely have reward circuitry that reinforces behaviors, but not all reward circuitry that reinforces a behavior is an addiction. But can people, do people want to engage in a behavior that rewards them in a particular way, whether it be physiologic or psychological? Absolutely. Are there hormones involved? Absolutely. Can you get... Can you want to shit talk your coworkers because it makes you feel good, like it pumps up your ego? Absolutely. Do people do that kind of shit every day? Does it kind of look like an addiction? Absolutely. But I would still say that neuroscientifically, the mechanisms, the circuits in the brain that are activating are different than the circuits that activate during addiction. Okay, cool. Thanks. Yeah. Great question, man. Thank you.